Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, editor-in-chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Greetings. My name is Monica Bay, and we're presenting the February edition of Law Technology Now, almost live from Legal Tech New York. Today is Tuesday, I think, February 5th. And uh, before we uh, head out for our Law Technology News Awards dinner tonight, I have the opportunity to sit with Craig Ball, uh, our EDD columnist for LTN, and we're going to, in a few minutes, I'll be joined by Henry Dicker of um, Legal Tech. And we're going to talk about what's going on at the show, some big trends we see in eDiscovery, and how you can maximize your show experience. Uh, it's really kind of exciting. It's been quite a big buzz, and I've already operating on about three hours of sleep. Let me go through some housekeeping here first. Uh, we really hope you're finding our new podcast a must-listen every month. This is our third. We launched in, I believe, December. Uh, it goes so fast, and uh, it's very exciting. We do this as a partnership with the Legal Talk Network, and you can listen to this podcast both from ALM's Law Technology News website, which is www.lawtechnologynews.com, or from the Legal Talk Network. And, of course, you can find it on iTunes. And I'm not going to talk to you about how Craig Ball almost made me buy an iPod last night at the Apple Store. I um, want to start by telling you a little bit about Craig Ball. He is LTN's award-winning eDiscovery columnist. Craig has won four awards in the last two years for his Ball in Your Court column about e-discovery. He's also a prolific contributor to CLE and professional education programs throughout the U.S. and, believe it or not, has delivered more than 450 presentations and papers. This guy is probably global services on United Airlines. Craig's article on forensic technology and electronic discovery appear frequently in the national media, including the American Bar Association, uh, what is AAJ? I don't know what that acronym stands for, Craig. People used to know it when it was called ATLA. ATLA, American Trial Lawyers Association. Uh, please uh, join me for a cyber round of applause for my dear friend and colleague, Craig Ball. Thank you, Monica, and thank you, Mom, for sitting on all of those awards panels, apparently. <laughs> uh, Craig, what was your first take this morning when we uh, walked out together on the massive show floor, which seems to take every inch of space and is so popular that literally there are advertisements in the bathrooms at this show. Well, of course, the first thing that occurs to me is, are these aisles getting narrower or am I just getting wider? Because it's getting harder and harder to get through there. And it's harder and harder because of the change of technology. I think my first legal tech show, the new technology that had come out was called Carbon Paper. And we were very excited <laughs> oh, about that. Oh, I used that. that. Yeah. Um, but now, because so much of what we're selling out there is is virtualized, it's it's computer, it's software, it's services. It all there's a certain sameness to it because it's all a big plasma screen or LCD screen, a computer, some brochures, and some swag, some giveaways usually that light up or squeeze or free pens or chocolate. And it's just row after row after row of that sort of thing. We know because we look at it that they're really very different products, but it's getting harder to differentiate because there isn't 
the cool Selectric typewriter out there anymore. There isn't the gadget that you can look at uh, so There's much. There's no of, solutions. It's funny because you said because everyone had a solution. How down about there. that? Isn't that funny. <laughs> That's why the word solution is banned because everybody <laughs> thinks they have the solution. <laughs> anyway, so what as you you and I walked the show floor, um, jumped out at you this morning on on Tuesday? Well, there are a number of things. There's always the musical chairs. This is a very, very um, fluid industry. And I have to remind myself that this is not an electronic discovery show because it's often you'll walk down an aisle and you'll forget that this appeals to all of the technology topics important to the practice of law. But of course, it seems like once again this year electronic discovery uh, is driving the whole process. So I am, as we say back home, like a pig in slop down yeah. there on the floor. So many new entrants, so much consolidation. And it's interesting, of course, you'll see the same very capable person who was working for Z-Beta Corporation last year is now with the latest solution from Beta Z. And it's just Well, Tom Baldwin, our colleague, just switched from working for uh, Shepard Mullen and is now with Reed Smith. And I think on December 31st, I had about five, if not 15, blurbs on my Common School blog about all the people who were changing jobs as of January 1st. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, though. It's, no, it's not a bad It's a thing. kind of cross-pollinization, yes. and it means that a greater level of expertise is finding its way seeping through the industry almost by osmosis because somebody who learns something at this company moves to that company. They know the other capabilities. Networking is enhanced, and ultimately the service to the legal profession is that much better, and the quality is better because that person has a broader exposure to knowledge. Well, we could actually do a whole show at some point on the whole staffing ramifications because one of the things I'm seeing is a whole creation of a new layer of lawyers, both in uh, the law firm environments and in the vendors. I've been doing a lot of speaking on, on the changing role of paralegals and lit support. To set the stage a little bit for, because uh, I'd like us to try to identify maybe three or four key trends that you see. Last October, I wrote a, a big story in LTN called An Undercurrent of Fear, and I tried to analyze what was going on in electronic discovery and what the big picture trends were. And one of the things that, that I noticed was there seemed to be about four drivers. One was, and I believe I quoted you on this, the sheer volume of documents where now literally 99% of Documents are created electronically, and it's really, really cheap to store them. The um, astounding verdicts for mistakes, the, the, the very, very, very high billion-dollar sanctions in cases when there's been discovery problems, I'll put it diplomatically, the role of um, compliance coming in and the shift from reactive oh my God, we're going to find the smoking gun, to more what, what folks are calling litigation readiness and setting up protocols. Um, oh, and the federal rules. Federal rules. In fact, Tom Allman this morning spent a great amount of time talking about the progress he saw. Those are things I saw as drivers and looking at how the, the profession and the vendors were going. What did you see this morning? And, and do you still agree that those, or do you agree that those are four key factors going into this? Without a doubt, they remain very strong drivers in this market. But if we had to retitle that article, it wouldn't just be called an undercurrent of fear. It'd be called an undercurrent of fear, but a surge of confidence. Because I think exemplified by Tom's masterful keynote this morning, we're seeing 
corporations who have somewhat felt the victim of e-discovery taking charge of the process, pushing back on costs, insisting on efficiencies, and exploring new options. Some of them are very dramatic options, whether it be offshoring to get certain things, um, having uh, using technology to cut down on the volume. And even with very senior lawyers like Tom, they're starting to understand and embrace these technologies and not just operate out of fear. Used to be they would be give foolish advice. Well, stop all the rotation. Or they're, they're starting to make more granulated determinations that are better suited to the needs. And so I'm, I'm proud of what I'm seeing. I think lawyers slowly, uh, hesitatingly, but nonetheless are starting to get their arms around some of these challenges and realize that they're in it for the long haul. They need to get educated and that they're going to have to start making wise choices between all of the vendors that are out there offering them well, I think, solutions. Well, I think I would agree with you completely, and I thought Tom Allman's uh, keynote this morning was very optimistic. One of the things I posed in the story I wrote in October was perhaps one of the things we will see out of the federal rules and also from the columns you've been writing is an increasing look at reasonableness and developing standards and courts being able to perhaps the caseloads are going to as these cases come up more and more begin to develop and evolve a, 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 some guidelines and of course Sedona is working on those and George Sosha and Tom Gelman have the EDRM program that they're working on but I get a sense I agree with you I get a sense that there's a movement last year it was like a sea change all of a sudden People weren't looking for that smoking gun. They were doing every single vendor over six months sent us releases about how they were switching to a litigation readiness consulting approach. And I, you know, I would go visit in Minnesota and Phoenix and Seattle, and I can't tell you how many times everyone would tell me the same thing. So I would agree with you on that. But I'm seeing another aspect of it too that. In some ways, it's more disturbing, and that is a, a certain resignation to the keeping everything. It may be called email archiving. It may be uh, bringing in hardware. I, I do see people gravitating perhaps a bit too much to what I like to call a Google solution, which is we'll keep everything and let search figure out a way to deal with it. That's still problematic. That still needs to be uh, something that is, is, is put aside so that people make sensible choices at the moment they develop electronic information as to whether it's a keeper or whether it's just telling you that there's a coffee cake in the break room today. But isn't there also a big trend towards, which I think is part of this litigation readiness effort, to saying, hey, like, let's say you're the mega corp and you're getting sued every, the automotive industry, you're getting sued for rollovers every day of the week, and there's no point to be reinventing the wheel and rediscovering the same 40 critical documents over and over again and looking at things like litigation holds. And one of the things I took from the, the federal rules is if you can go into court and defend a policy, Tom talked about this this morning and he had two examples of cases where if you if you go in and you say, okay, we're going to look at how we do our document retention plans and have a policy that we can articulate and we're going to make sure, as Michael Kraft would say, that your general counsel aren't keeping different documents than you do. Your lawyers have to be on the same document retention that you are. But if you have a defensible policy, then maybe that counters the Google thing because if you can say to the judge, 
I, and I think it was the Eskin, I can't remember the case this morning, but he cited a particular case where the judge said, hey, it was non-discriminatory, you had a policy, you enforced it. Escobar and, versus City you. of Houston. Thank you. That maybe that, maybe those are two issues that we're going to see, the sort of Google throw everything in the kitchen sink and the memo about the pizza party, to here's what we did, we've done it, we've produced it, it's here and so that it becomes routine and not so scary all the time. And that's, I think, an extension of what I was talking about with this this renewed confidence or growing confidence to push back among corporations. Now, naturally, you have the the scariness that grows out of Broadcom, Qualcomm kind of cases. That's the this year's iteration of what would have been uh, UBS Warburg or, or something uh, two years ago. There's going to be that. There's going to be that periodic reminder that if you don't do this right, you can put yourself in peril. But that's basically a function of bad faith. I still contend, somewhat different from what Tom Allman would contend probably, is that no good faith, well-intentioned effort that was pursued with diligence has yet resulted in sanctions. The possibility remains, but it hasn't happened yet, and I don't think it's likely to happen soon. You know, another thing I see, Craig, and you and I have talked about is, I predicted last year at last year, a year ago today, when I gave my speech last year at the awards dinner, that we were going to see three things. We were going to see continued consolidation and purchasing of uh, by Lexus, Nexus, who uh, just recently bought Redwood Analytics, which is not an EDD product, but who knows, probably could be, and the West, Thompson West, or the Thompson entities, to a lesser degree, C.T. Clures, um, that, who most recently bought uh, Summation. It seems like anything that doesn't stand still for five minutes gets bought, A. B, I still think we're going to see a ton of roadkill because one of the big problems I see out there, Mike Arkfeld wrote about last month which on eSemantics, which is we got vendors out there who are speaking in jargon, using terms that everybody thinks they understand, and you'll use the same term for five people and none of them are meaning it for the same thing. So there's a lot of confusion. So that gets into sort of the fear factor deal. Well, I mean, I think that your your point is that consolidation remains a major point. That that is a trend that I see, uh, and of course there will be. I don't know if it'll be true roadkill. Maybe maybe seventy five percent of these uh, true startups will go away. Twenty five percent of them will be. Well, let's just say 50% will go away, 25% will retain an independent identity, and 25% will be very quickly assimilated into, as part of a much larger suite. And yes, I, I agree with you that LexisNexis and West, uh, Thompson West, will continue to be acquisitive as long as the money holds out, and there will be some some buys that won't work out. There'll be that kind of roadkill too, but no one's immune to that. I mean, look at Microsoft. It bought fast a short time ago, and now it's bidding $45 billion for, for Yahoo. Yahoo. Is there yeah. some overlap? There, maybe there's some roadkill in the process, so you make mistakes, but you keep pressing forward. People underestimate how difficult the legal technology terrain is, and I think a lot of people go out and go, "Hey, let's put on a show and launch this product." I know for a fact that vendors go out there and launch products for the express purpose of being bought, but the third factor, which I just remembered, is the niche factor. I mean, I think there's going to be there are interesting little niche products that will stay there until ultimately they get bought by. 
Lexus, Thompson, or 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 CT. Well, we saw one today, and we we saw a company that in one in one time specialized in a niche product to add some WordPerfect like functionality to Word. Levitt and James. Exactly, and then then they've moved on and and a, a similar kind of product from its niche status to add an improved functionality to a very big existing product that we all use. And it's kind of like those cowbirds that walk around and they take care of the bugs. Everybody can feed on each other, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's symbiosis. It's good for business. And it's ultimately good for meeting the very specialized needs of a highly fragmented practice that we call law. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. But, I mean, I hope that one of the things, and I know I'm preaching to the choir on this, that the vendors will look at is really being careful about what Michael Arkfeld talked about with the semantics. Because I think there's such an opportunity to educate, and there's such a hunger out there in the law firms to educate. And I would continue my preaching about plain English, because when you have six people, well, you wrote a whole column about people defining TIFFs, you know, and the, the different meanings of TIFFs. So I think that's a challenge that the EDD audience faces on you know, I challenge the vendors to be more cognizant about the use of jargon because we have to build bridges of understanding and not walls. And I think that's an area where if they're really trying to accomplish their goals and being able to move this forward, that they have to be careful about language. Well, but, you know, jargon serves a useful purpose from a marketing standpoint. One of the things that we don't want to acknowledge in such a fragmented industry is that if you scrape down below the veneers, most of these companies are using the self-same technology. You're going to see DT Search lying at the heart of many, many products. You're going to see Oracle Stellant lying at the heart of many, many products. When you really are dealing with fairly generic technologies that are shared, if you don't build a layer of jargon, you're just going to look like the next product. Sometimes you've got to put a different color on the Model T. Well, we'll we'll choose to differ on that one. And we, believe it or not, we only have two more minutes left. Well, well you know, so let me talk about a couple other trends I saw downstairs. You had mentioned the importance of language. Well, it's an interesting extension of that is one of the languages that's dealt with downstairs is the import of supporting foreign language. You, yes. you know, it's not just you don't just realize how international this world is by reading Tom Friedman in The Times or coming here to the melting pot that is New York. It's a recognition that business is international. And that means litigation about that business is international. So I'm seeing a, a renewed or perhaps a, an unprecedented emphasis on supporting foreign language, both in terms of the character sets, the so-called double byte or Unicode support that is essential for the, uh, the storage of the information and the interpretation, but also for dealing with language on a higher level. And that's machine translation, searching in foreign languages, the integration of enhanced human translation, again, offshoring that, specializing that, so much going on there to be able to broaden the reach of American lawyers into evidence that lies across the various oceans. Funny you should mention that because those topics were the subject of our January EDD showcase. And one last trend before we get our one-minute warning? Well, I'm, I'm impressed by a growing willingness to address collection. Collection has been one of the hardest pieces out there. It's been it's going out. It's dealing with the client. It's dealing with the variabilities of a, a huge variety of different platforms and systems. And everybody's wanted to kind of cherry pick their parts of the process. But I think increasingly people are realizing that if they don't do it right at the beginning, their quality control will fail at the end. And so I'm, I'm impressed that they're starting to embrace that key dynamic to the process. 
Craig, it's been a very fast discussion, and I feel like we just touched the tip of the iceberg. Uh, All I can say is today's Tuesday. Get here. It's so worth it. There's still two more days, and um, we're going to take a break now. When we return, Craig and I will be joined by Henry Payne Dicker, Managing Director of Legal Tech and Vice President of Sales for ALM Events. We're going to talk about how to get the most out of what can be a very overwhelming experience. And we're going to take a short break now to hear from our sponsors, who we thank very much, Theos and CT Legal Solutions. Rely on Fios for all of your discovery management needs. Fios Electronic Discovery Services include readiness and response consulting and data management services. Fios helps clients prepare for and manage all phases of the discovery process. Our knowledge of both law and business process ensures clients achieve defensible, successful outcomes. For more information about Fios services, visit www.fiosinc.com. That's www.fiosinc.com. In a world filled with endless stacks of work, constantly shifting rules, and unforgiving deadlines, CT stands as a shining beacon of efficiency, control, and strength. Wherever there are so many tasks and too little time, CT Corporation takes productivity and multiplies it. When the truth tries to hide, CT Summation helps you discover it. In the face of stringent regulations and complex litigation, CT Timetrics helps you keep your companies safe. At CT, we make the impossible possible. Welcome back to Law Technology Now. I'm Monica Bay, and we are coming to you almost live from the 27th annual Legal Tech Trade Show in New York City. I'm back with Craig Ball, LTN's award-winning e-discovery columnist, and we are now joined by Henry Payne Dicker. And Henry, we're so happy to have you here, and I know this is so hectic, so for you to take a few minutes means a lot to us. Henry is the Managing Director of Legal Tech and Vice President of Sales for ALM Events. Thanks, Henry. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. What we want to talk about now is to give you some tips on how you can best maximize an experience like LA Legal Tech or New York Legal Tech, both of the shows that we're doing this year. It's so easy to get completely overwhelmed, and this is my 10th Legal Tech, and I still find myself overwhelmed. And I know the most important thing is don't come here in four-inch high heels. You really want to have comfortable shoes. So do change those, Henry. Yeah, well, these are three-inch, though. (laughs) Okay. So, guys, what in your experience or some tips you can give our listeners who are going to be planning a trip to legal tech? You want to go first, Greg, or should I? Well, I think that one of the most important things you need is to have your cell phone at the ready, to disengage yourself when the approach is made by the various vendors. I'm sorry it's a call coming in. What do you think, Henry? Well, I hope you never disengage from our vendors. Um, obviously, uh, pre-planning is is so very important to an event like this, with uh, with so much to do and and so much on each uh, everybody's agenda between whether or not they're going to be looking primarily to see new products, uh, visit with customers and clients, uh, or actually join us for some of our educational conferences and 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 presentations, whether they be planned or the emerging technology tracks that go on during Legal Tech. Obviously, save plenty of time to to move about. It's a it's a very very large trade show floor. It's an extremely large footprint for any event between where conferences are taking place. So give yourself ample time. Get here early. Have your badges at the ready. Utilize all the technology that we have in making sure that you're 
completely planned, use the website to, to pre-plan appropriately, and save plenty of time for networking because really that's what legal tech is all about. It's seeing new products, learning, uh, and getting yourself uh, completely abreast of what's going on uh, out there, uh, new and old, but also making connections because literally 15,000 attendees, uh, whether they be faculty attendees or our delegates from law firms or from in-house legal departments, it's just a great place to meet, greet, and, and, and catch up with friends and learn about new things. Henry, let's break down some of the things you've suggested. And one thing that jumps right at me is badges. Now, if I recall correctly, you have the Speed Badge program. So let's say folks are planning for the Los Angeles show now. Tell us how Speed Badge works and and how that can cut down times. Because when you first get there, if you're coming the first day and you're trying to hit the the keynote thing, there can be a line a zillion people long. Yeah, and Speed Badge is something that we've been doing now uh, successfully for just about four years. Uh, and what that uh, once when you register online, pre-register for the event, which is always a great thing because it saves you money. Pre-registration for the exhibit floor, at least, is is complimentary. Uh, pre-registration for our conference programs gives you an early bird, obviously, discount. On-site, there is a charge for for everything. There's an upcharge for the conferences, and there's a and there is a limited charge to the for the exhibit hall pass. So when you pre-register for uh, Legal Tech, uh, you are uh, given a printout, a barcoded printout that you can bring to the show with you. We have kiosks, many kiosks set up where all you do is virtually scan and your badge is given to you immediately. There's no need to go through the, the registration lines and sit there and give information again because remember, um, a good portion of some people who don't have the opportunity to pre-reg are standing there and having to give all their de- all their uh, uh, demographical information. So if you do it pre for the show, everything gets spit out for you right on your computer. You bring that to the show, scan it. It's almost like uh, it's almost like you know the Continental Airlines thing. Everything is done. The kiosk is quick. Um, also, if you do sign and you don't happen to keep your information, we send off to you a week before the show a special uh, postcard that has your barcode already added to it. So all you really need to do is bring that postcard, scan it, and your badges and, and your show guide is given to you immediately at the show. Craig, let's talk about the seminars and about your expertise, of course, is electronic data discovery. And you were on the show floor here this morning. And there may not, may, maybe, Henry, if there's a rhyme and reason, you can share it with us. But it seems to me that the vendors for EDD in particular were all over the show floor. How can someone make the best use of their time to be able to plan for that so they see the vendors they want to see and don't get overwhelmed? I think Henry gave some excellent advice, which is know what you're looking for, know what you're trying to investigate, think of the questions that you want to pose so that you can direct the conversation and not just be in a marketing spiel, find out what you want to know and get that information. There's a lot of good information in the book. This is a, the, the book, the brochure that you receive when you check in is a wealth of information about how to find things, what the companies are, where they're positioned. One of the things that that Henry mentioned was allowing time. I think you've got to allow time just to get from one point to the other. You really need to plan your day. This this is the Disneyland and the Walt Disney World of forensics and electronics and technology and the law. So you really have to make your time count because I don't think any one person can cover this in the days that are available. No, because it's not such a small world after all. Not at all. (laughs) Just to, to... 
to reiterate what Craig said in the, in, in our, uh, the, the show guide that, that Craig was talking about in the back, all our exhibitors are broken down into the individual areas that they actually specialize in. So if you're looking for electronic discovery or knowledge management or time billing, it's all broken down there with the companies. We, we cross reference our exhibitors and their booth numbers several different ways in the show guide. Yeah. I'm, I am seeing something downstairs that I haven't seen in a while. And that is a palpable sense of excitement and a great deal of satisfaction among the vendors. The buzz that I'm getting is they're very happy with the traffic. They're happy with the kinds of questions that they're getting. There's been a a growth in the sophistication of the clientele that's going by. They feel like they're getting in touch with the right decision makers. So in that sense, there is energy on that floor, and it's really exciting to be here. Let me ask you one question because I honestly don't even know the answer to this. How are the booths, the positions of the booths determined? Is do they, is there a positioning where some people like to be in certain spots, or what? How does that done? Well, it's interesting. The the the, the show floor is not segregated by product um, uh, for lots of reasons. First of all, mostly because the, sometimes competitors like to be away from competitors. What makes what makes it easy for attendees is not always the best for the strategic development of, sure. of each individual company's uh, agenda. Um, the actual the, the the trade show floor at Legal Tech it is a living, breathing entity, and each year it changes because um, uh, how we deal with our, our our booth allocation is companies are given pri- a, a certain amount of points, priority points, based on years in the show, booths that they take, a sponsorship, um, branding themselves and advertising, uh, so on and so forth. And each one is given a time that they come up to do re-sign. And at that point, they can pick the same booth that they had, uh, if it's still available, a different booth if one comes available. Or, so it's um, like know, move my completely. Yankee tickets. Yep, Your you, seniority you, goes up depending on yeah, how Yeah, you move around. Okay. Right. We have two minutes left, and we've talked about doing the exhibit hall. Um, I'd like to get your advice in terms of strategies for going to the substantive programs and, last but not least, the social events like the LTN Awards Dinner. Uh, Craig, why don't you go first on that? Well, get there early because it's standing room only. We're seeing people that are are standing at the back and uh, some very esoteric topics. I just left uh, a wonderful discussion of authentication of digital evidence. That's not exactly a topic that's going to be a big draw for anyone who isn't vitally interested. Great panels, top leaders that are are out there. Panel included Judge Grimm, Michael Arkfeld, and 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 other leaders. So I just think, as as I haven't seen in past years, it's been a it's always a great show, but. I think you, uh, Henry, you may have done, outdone yourself this year. I don't know how you're going to top it next year. Well, thanks. Uh, um, and actually, to, to build on that, and tomorrow we have a whole half day geared just to search engine strategy, a brand new product, a brand new sort of topic for legal tech, but one that's very, very important, not only for not only for our vendors, but certainly for the law firms out there who are utilizing uh, the web more and more to get their message out to their clients and potential customers. And, of course, I can't go without a plug for the CIO Forum, which is held parallel to Legal Tech because we're doing our second green law panel. It's called It's Not Easy Going Green or Is It? Another big topic for, for that's that's growing uh, for us on all of our conferences is, is green. And, yeah, it does start tomorrow. Henry, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this edition of Law Technology Now, and you you had a few final comments about yeah, well, the show? Well, first, obviously, thanks for having me, and uh, and I wanted to remind all of our listeners out there that there's there's still two more exciting days left of, uh, of Legal Tech and, of course, our CIO conference, and 
uh, special uh, special offer to all of our listeners if they come to the event tomorrow and just mention the special password of Monica Bay. Um, you can join us on the trade show floor at, at no charge, a complimentary to, to everyone out there. And is that for the exhibit hall? That would be for the exhibit hall, yes. Great. Well, thank you again, Henry. And thank you, Craig. And that's it for Law Technology Now, our February edition. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.